Friends, as I thought about what I wanted to share with you this morning, uh, my mind was directed to the letters to the churches in Revelation. And so if you'd like to follow along and you have a Bible, I'm reading from Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read the letter to the church in Philadelphia. If you've read these letters, you will realize that Philadelphia is the only church that was commended in every way by the angel of the church. So, as we look at this letter and we see what they are commended for, we can evaluate ourselves. Do we measure up with these aspects that were commended to the church in Philadelphia? If not, how can we adjust? How can we pivot in such a way that we might gain God's greater favor and blessing as a church? So hear these words, starting with verse 7. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my commandment to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. May it guide us in our time together. Hamilton Reformed Church, hold on to what you have. Hold on to what you have. What does this mean? as the angel writes these words to the church in Philadelphia. Well, before we go there, I invite us to consider what is being said to the church. The Lord writes in this letter, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door. No one can shut. An open door. Interesting to think about a door wide open that no one can shut. I see this as God saying, I am blessing you. You will not shut down. You will not cease to exist. I have opened the door wide for people to come in, perhaps for people to go out. But I'm honoring you and blessing you with an open door. Many churches have an open door, especially 
on Sunday mornings as they gather for worship, but other times to the week as they gather for different programs or groups, the door is open. Interesting, in this day and age, there's a lot of churches that are closing the door and locking their door for safety and security reasons. I understand that. We had to make tough choices back in the day as well, as our culture is changing so dramatically. But an open door, an open door, an open invitation, come worship with us. Come and be a part of our family. Some churches don't realize that while they open the front door wide open, the back door is also wide open. People come for a little while, and then they leave and go somewhere else. Open door, not all the same. Coming from the Lord to say to the church in Philadelphia, I'm going to honor you and bless you. I am not closing you down. You will be strong and vibrant in this world. Why? Why did the, uh, God say this? God says, you have kept my words and did not deny my name. You've shown loyalty to me. In the face of persecution, in the face of the lies of those who call themselves the Jews but are really the church of Satan, you have held firm and remained loyal to my words and you did not deny me. In this turbulent city, small in number, small in stature, though they are weak, they continue to live by the word of the Lord. They live in obedience to the Lord. And they continue to proclaim his name. Letting others know who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them. For these reasons, the Lord is opening that door up and allowing them to be vibrant and flourishing. How many of you have been a part of the church for a long time? You've been a part of the faith for a long time? These words have been a part of your life for a long time, whether it's coming on Sunday morning and receiving a message directly coming out of the Word of God, or maybe it's your personal devotional time in which you read and study and reflect on the Word of God, or maybe you've been in Bible study groups in which you take a passage of Scripture and you discuss it and talk about it and share your thoughts about it. We've immersed ourselves over the years into the Word of God Sometimes that just becomes our head knowledge. We know it, but it doesn't always translate into the way we live our lives. But for those who do, for it becomes transformative in their lives, and they consistently live according to the teachings of God's Word, God is pleased with your loyalty and your faithfulness. holding to the word of the Lord, being willing to claim the name of Jesus, even as a culture maybe reacts to that name and is or is indifferent to that name, not backing off. This is what they are commended for. But further on, we read that in Revelations 3.10, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, 
I will keep you from the hour of trial. God said, you're small in size and stature, but you've been faithful and consistently holding on hope that God would come and dwell among them and grow his kingdom, that he would bless their efforts, he would bear fruit in them. It was a struggle. It was hard. There were days, perhaps, maybe even weeks, even years, where they're like, is this worth it? All this work, very little fruit to show for it. All this faithfulness, all this persecution around us. Maybe we should just throw in the towel, concede. And God's hopeful words of pleasure come to them. No, I have noticed your suffering, your patient endurance, your faith in hard times, and I honor that. I honor you when you're tired and weary from consistently doing good and striving to live into the mission that you've been called to. Your faithfulness is acknowledged, and I bless you. I will keep you from the hour of trial. So for two reasons, the Lord says, I have opened the door wide. I am sustaining you as a people and as a church in this area. Because you have held to my word and not denied my name, and you have obeyed my command to endure patiently. And therefore... I want you to hold on to what you have. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. You have a crown. You've been bestowed with royalty. You have distinction as one of God's own. Don't let anybody take this crown from you. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Incidentally, back in the day when this was being written, the saints of the church, those who were commemorated for their, their radical obedience, their goodness, their compassion, they were the ones whose name was written on the pillars of the churches as they were built so that everyone comes by, they would see and acknowledge the names of the saints. What God is saying here, because of your faithfulness, because of holding on and not giving up, your name will be written on the pillars of the church. And not only that, God's name and the name of the new Jerusalem and Jesus Christ's name will be written on you. I find this fascinating, this idea of names, because names establish identity, don't they? So when Jesus' name is written upon a church, it means your identity is true. You are a true Christian church in which the Lord Jesus Christ is pleased and is blessing. So the church in Philadelphia, because of their faithful response to the word of God and to Jesus Christ himself and their willingness to consistently and patiently endure receive not only a crown, but also Christ's identity, his name 
written across this church, distinguishing itself apart from all the other churches. Now, for a moment, I want to talk to us about identity and what that, what that means for a church. I, I want to present it in terms of, of a house with two different levels. There's a lower room, and then there's the upper room. Michelle and I, we live in a ranch-style house. We do have a basement, and we do have a main floor. So it works for us, but maybe you've got a two-story, or maybe you've got a ranch with a basement. And if you just have one level, we can use our imagination to imagine a house with two different levels. There's a lower level and an upper level. We think about the identity of the church. We think of this in two different levels. First of all, we'll talk about the lower level room identity or the lower level. What are the things that are on the lower level of a church in which people define themselves? Quite often it has to do with a place. It's a building located on a street in a particular town. And many churches have beautiful buildings. Some have just plain ordinary buildings. Some are quite elaborate in size, and some are quite small and tiny. But where do you go to church? You say, well, I go to Hamilton Reformed Church, right downtown, right on the main road of Hamilton. Oh, I know where that is. And then as we think about uh, what do we need to do to be a church and honor God, how does that affect our building and what more building projects might we want to undergo to expand our ministry options and influence? I was part of First Reformed Church in Zealand for 30 years. It's a very historical church, even understood by its name. Way back in 1847, the first settlers came into this area. They established a log cabin. Within a year, another group of immigrants came, and they had to double the size and then it was still too small, so they moved across the street to the other side and built the main structure of what exists today. And if you walked through that building, you would see all the different additions and changes and distinctions that have taken place over those years, 170 years of their existence. This building that grows and becomes what it is to serve the changing needs and functions of the church. Some people will say that our identity is in our building and our location. Some will say that our um, identity is in a personality. It's our preacher. Why do you come to your church? Well, we have a fantastic preacher. If you would just hear him preach on Sunday morning, oh, the word just rolls off his tongue. He has it memorized. He tells great stories. Oh, it's so convicting, right? There's often a personality that's uh, a strong personality that's connected to a church. Often that's the preacher. But it might be a, a personality who is also just a wonderful Bible lesson teacher, or it might be somebody who's so caring and compassionate, always there when people are in need or struggling, the most caring person you've ever come in contact with. Some people will definitely define their church around a personality. 
Some will define their church around the programs that exist that we're pretty proud of, in which we are able to gather people from the community to come in and be a part of our particular programs. There was a program that when our children were young, they're now grown and out of the house. Our first just got married last weekend. But when they were young, my wife used to participate in a program of a local church in Zealand called MOPS. Mothers of Preschoolers, maybe you've heard of it. It was a thriving program. All these moms who didn't have to work on a Tuesday morning, I believe it was, would gather here for a snack, for a teaching, for an activity, while all their kids were taken care of in the nursery. Uh, it was a, a, a growing and vibrant program, and this particular church was known for their MOPS program. Incidentally, it doesn't exist any longer, but it was, and in the day, a great thriving uh, ministry program. The church that we attended, First Reformed Church, was kind of known as the BSF, Women's Bible Study Fellowship Church. That's where the women would meet on Monday evenings. I believe they still meet there in order to study God's Word and grow in their understanding of the, the Scriptures Bible Study Fellowship was our one of the programs that we were pretty proud of. And then finally, uh, churches identify by the people. Why do you go there? What made you stay there? Oh, it's the people. They are friendly. They are engaging. I have such good friends. Our small group has been together for a number of years, and we just love getting together again. My best friends go there. We go camping a couple times a year in the summertime as families. You know, it's the people that are caring, that are they're loving, that I feel connected to. These are, this is the way some people def will define their church. So the lower room identity involves place, personality, programs, and people. All good, all very important things. But you notice that Jesus, when he was alive and in this world, did not have a place in which he was connected to. He was a personality, but he wasn't intent on drawing people to himself as that personality. And eventually, just after two years of ministry, Jesus was no longer around and so that personality that was so attractive to people was gone, yet the church continued to, to carry on and spread and thrive. Jesus didn't have a program in which he was investing time and energy in in order to mass-produce disciples. And Jesus just had a select few people who eventually got scattered around the whole world. And and, and didn't stay connected in that place. What I'm saying here is the lower room is important for churches to focus on. But if they really want to be true to Jesus' identity, we have to get into the upper room. And many churches today fail to realize there's a second level, a necessary second level in order to be the identity of Christ. Let me show you what this, this is simply a purpose a purpose greater than ourselves in which we are calling people who come in, who use the door to come in. We're calling them to this greater purpose, this greater mission 
that Jesus Christ has called us to. We don't have to go far in Scripture to find that Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 20, verse 21, after his death and resurrection, he says, as the Lord has sent me, so I am sending you out into the world. Matthew 28 Go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Luke writes in the opening chapter of the book of Acts, Jesus sits down with his disciples. His parting words were, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What's his purpose? To expand his kingdom and bring this world back unto the reign of God once and for all. How is he going to do that? Through his disciples and through the church. The upper room, this area of purpose is vital in order to receive the identity of Jesus Christ because this is what he was all about, being on mission. Now, I know you are a church on mission. I visited your website. It's very clear who you are. Members of Hamilton Reformed Church are called into a mission of connecting people to God's family, word, and way of life. You're serious about this, aren't you? Connecting people to God's family, to God's word, and God's way of life. That is distinctive to receive the name of Jesus written upon it. It's a call to connect people to the resources and relationships within God's family so others may encounter Jesus Christ. It's a call to connect people to the life-changing and life-saving message found in God's Word and Bible. It's a call to connect people to God's way of life It's a new life that compels us to reject sin in the world and in ourselves by following Jesus through the hope-filled, forward-looking mission of the church. Reject sin and follow Jesus through the hope-filled, forward-looking mission of the church. That's into the upper room and out the church doors to be able to live out this life, life life-changing life among the people in this community who aren't a part of the church, aren't a part of the community. We can't stay in the church and accomplish this mission, this purpose. It's got to go out to the people that you come in contact with that aren't yet coming through the doors. Hold on to what you have. Hold on to this identity of Jesus Christ. This mission that is so beautifully determined, let that resonate in your hearts that you might grow in this lower room in order to go out and live out the purpose from the upper room. And God will write his name upon you. That door will stay wide open and you will thrive as a living congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will reflect the church in Philadelphia, and God will continue to commend you for all the good that you are doing. So friends, keep the word of the Lord. 
and do not deny his name. Exercise and endure patiently the struggles and challenges of this day and age and live into this beautiful mission. Be raised up in the lower room so that you can go out and invite people in to community and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Listen to the Spirit of God. Open yourself up and invite the Spirit to speak so that you know what that looks like to go out these doors and live the life of obedience to Jesus Christ and his mission among the people that you're called to serve. Try to silence the other voices that are telling you differently about what really matters and listen only to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will direct your steps and the, the Spirit will give you the crown that is promised to you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that speaks every Sunday and throughout the week. It is living and active and able to teach us the way to go. Lord, you have given us freedom as a country and as followers of Jesus Christ to act and worship in ways that you have called us to lead. We pray that we would take that, that, that freedom and use it responsibly, responsibly in a manner that would, you would approve of, in which you would write your name across our hearts, our minds, and our churches. We pray that we might be able to hear the Spirit's voice speak to us even in the midst of all the other loud voices clanging around us, that your Spirit's voice would speak to our hearts and our minds and we would know what to do. And defying all comfort, we would step out courageously and hopefully to advance your kingdom near and far. Oh Lord, make this happen here in Hamilton, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And now people of Hamilton Reformed Church, Go with the love of God the Father. Go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and go in the peace of our Holy Spirit and proclaim his name in all you do and in all you say. Enjoy your Independence Day. May you be safe in all that you do. And it's wonderful to have been with you. Go in his peace. Amen. Stay standing for the doxology.